Houston's Star of Hope mission brings you a moment of hope. Could you spare a little hope today? Hi, this is Scott Arthur. Star of Hope is a Christ-centered community dedicated to meeting the needs of men and women and children experiencing homelessness here in Houston. And we've been doing it for more than 114 years. And you might know that we, uh, we do a lot more than just food and shelter. Positive life changes are encouraged through structured programs which focus on spiritual growth and education and employment, life management, and recovery from substance abuse. Now, if you take a tour of our Women and Family Development Center at Star of Hope's Cornerstone Community, and I hope you do someday, you will see a hallway full of classrooms. And we have computer labs. And there's a beautiful chapel on campus, too. And that leads me to today's topic, biblical counseling. It's one of the classes we offer in the spiritual growth category. Now, what does that have to do with helping people off the streets and out of crisis situations? Well, just about everything. I'd like you to meet William Vickery. William is an instructor in our biblical counseling program here at Star of Hope and can answer that question and a whole lot more. So let's get to it. William, welcome. Hey, Scott. Glad to be here. So tell me about yourself. How, how long have you been in biblical studies and, and what brought you to that? Well, so um, I can start off, uh, I guess, at Star of Hope. I've been at Star of Hope for eight years, mm-hmm. um, or coming up on eight years. Um, and as far as my biblical studies journey, you know, I, I grew up in Conroe, Texas, so just a little bit north of Houston, um, raised in a Christian home, um, went to private school for 10 years, transitioned to uh, public school when I was in high school because I wanted to pursue music. And even though I was raised in a Christian home and, you know, I, as, as I joked with you before uh, this, you know, I had a drug problem that I was drugged to church every day the doors were open. <laughs> and so um, I had that kind of a, a growing up experience of just being at church on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, Sundays for lunch. Uh, Sunday evenings, anytime there was any sort of event or thing, I was part of it. My parents took me there. Um, but my my early passion was music, and so I ended up changing uh, to public school because my private school didn't have any sort of music opportunities, and I quickly became really passionate about percussion. I went to Houston Baptist University uh, as a music major. But in my freshman year of college... I ended up having a pretty scary uh, basic medical issue with it was kind of like a cancer scare um, and that that kind of woke me up and realizing that my, my faith or at least my upbringing in a Christian environment wasn't really authentic and that as much as I loved music and wanted to pursue music and that was something I was very passionate about I realized that I was also very selfishly pursuing it and that it was really just about fame and glory and money, um, which is really kind of a vain pursuit, and I wasn't really getting anywhere with it. And God used that scare, if you will, um, to get me to ask some pretty hard questions. And in that journey of kind of exploring my faith, um, I realized that when I was seven years old in the prayer I prayed with my mom one night, I didn't really mean it. And, you know, I was seeing the fruits of that. And... Um, God kind of called me away from music uh, after that. I changed my major from music to psychology. I wanted to pursue some sort of counseling or teaching. Um, I graduated in 2012 from Houston Baptist University. Um, 
ended up getting a job at a nonprofit called Generation One as a volunteer coordinator. And from there, I um, God pulled me into seminary at Dallas Theological Seminary, and hmm. I got a master's in uh, biblical studies. Uh, while I was there, that's where um, the door kind of opened up for employment with Star of Hope, and I surprisingly got hired on at first as a children's minister and then transitioned from there uh, into the role I am now where I am uh, an educational instructor where I teach the biblical counseling program. Mm. um, You know, if someone would have asked me, you know, back in high school or college when I was really into music and pursuing that, you're going to be teaching the Bible at a homeless shelter in Houston, (laughs) I'd have laughed you out of the room. Like, I mean, it was just no way. But the reality is God has given me a passion um, for teaching and instructing and for being excellent in the areas of presenting. And so that's just, yeah, that's where God has me now. Do these people think that God can help them when they come in? I mean, mo- most people, when they say you're going to need help as a homeless person, you're thinking of food, you're thinking of shelter, mm-hmm. uh, you're thinking of employment. Yeah. But a lot of people don't think of God, or do they? You know what? It's a really good question and that, you know, when people come into the shelter, I think, I think being in that position requires them uh, in some way to ask that question, you know, uh, at least in a spiritual way. Maybe, maybe it's not that they necessarily want um, to do the program and do all that, but I think in our lows, when we get really um, in those valleys of life, you know, that's when people begin to search for the answers. And oftentimes people do, you know, find that answer in those low places. I mean, think of the prodigal son in the story of the Bible. He chose to come home after wasting his life, right? Um, That Jesus told us about. And that, you know, I think sometimes people do um, come to the Star of Hope knowing that they need spiritual help. They need help in, in areas of their life where they know only God can help them. But then there are people that we hope that during their stay at the Star of Hope, that they find Jesus, right? Um, there, I come across people that, you know, have walked with the Lord and they're Christians and they've been Christians for most of their lives and life just gave them a really tough knock and they need, you know, to get back up on their feet. And then there are people that just, they don't know God and they want to know more. Or maybe there are people that don't know God and don't care and yet they find him through the structured programs and the ministry that we do. Do you ever get people that come in and blame God? You know, this happened to me, there can't be a God because look where I am now. I just don't believe in him anymore. Well, absolutely. I I mean, absolutely do. I mean, um, I've done that in in areas of my life. Whenever I've faced lots of suffering and struggle, I mean, questioning God or doubting God and his goodness is a, a very, you know, sin 101 response of why god why would you let this happen to me and so you know part of that biblical counseling that we do is to help understand the purpose what's the purpose of suffering instead of you know asking the question why we got to learn how to ask you know what is god doing what is he trying to show me and we do that through the you know the structured cal- uh, classes and the the one-on-one counseling what do you do on on the first day of class do you tell people look i understand that some of you have a problem, some of you don't believe, and, and you get just a plethora of different uh, situations and mm-hmm. beliefs. Yeah. How, how do you handle that all at one time? 
Well, so the, the program is designed in a way that it's supposed to, to connect with a very wide variety of people. You can have people that are super highly educated that are joining the program, and you have people that, you know, they're their highest grade is the seventh grade and they never really went to school after that and so one the the curriculum and the teaching and the presentation has to be done in such a way that it can be understood and interesting and appealing to those of a very wide range of education but also to people who may be questioning people who don't believe or are denying and are just kind of like I want to see what this is all about what's this what's this Christian teacher going to say to me you know and some of them uh, may be even like I know God but I want to have a better relationship with him and so on day one we talk about how do we know God exists and we talk about um, who God is and how he exists as a trinity the father son and spirit and we walk through that and then we talk about the Bible and how we know the Bible's reliable and we can trust it and things like that. That's day one. What happens with day two? Well, day two, let's see here. We begin talking about sin and the reality that we all have problems and how the Bible discusses the uh, the world's problem, which is that we all do things we know we shouldn't do. And we know we shouldn't do them, but we do them anyways. As, you know, C.S. Lewis said, you know, we have an ought to. We know what we ought to do, but we just don't do it. Hmm. Do you often break into theological discussions? Yes. I mean, it's it, sometimes it takes time with certain residents because, you know, depending on the classroom size, and we usually tend to keep it, it's usually small. You know, once people start to feel comfortable enough, right, once they, you know, I've built some rapport and as a, as a class, you know, they've built some rapport with each other, usually the real questions start to come out, you know. And, yeah, it is a – I encourage it. Even, you know, in a recent class that I taught, you know, there was a, uh, a resident that was continually asking these really great questions, and she'd start apologizing. And every time I'd have to affirm her and be like, no, ask your questions. Right? This, is, this is the place to ask those questions. And that what's really great about the BC program is that there are people that have been involved in the church and been taught and raised in religious um, homes, and they've been taught things that are not biblical. And they have questions, and they want to know, is this really what the Bible says? Mm -hmm. And that they're sometimes afraid to ask those questions in some of their circles because they're worried about, how dare you question the being and existence of God? And yet some of those doubts and some of those questions need to be worked out for someone to come to a, a saving faith in Jesus Christ, to believe that the Bible is true, that it is from God, and the story it tells us is the most important story in the world. Somebody just joining us may not understand, but this is what's being taught, uh, along with other structured recovery programs, in a homeless shelter. Yeah. This is the foundation. Yes, exactly. The foundation. You, you had quoted Mr. Black, who uh, is uh, one of the highlights of Star of Hope, oh, one yes. of our, our great teachers and, well, and, and overseers. Mm -hmm. But uh, he had a great quote. Do you want to tell me that? Uh, I believe if you're referencing uh, what we talked about before, you know, uh, when I was working with Mr. Black at the Women and Family Shelter, he said, you know, sometimes you have to get people lost to get them saved. And that cannot be more true sometimes. We live down here in what we consider the Bible Belt, you know, where lots of people have been raised in religious formats, and they may know about Jesus, but they don't know him. 
They may know about the Bible, but they don't know really what the Bible says. And so it's super important that when you present and communicate the truth of God's Word, that you're doing it in such a way that people are maybe seeing it for the first time. Um, they may have gone to church and heard some stories. You know, they may have heard that, you know, oh, I better pray this prayer or I'm going to go to hell. And yet they don't really know God. They don't really believe in what the Bible says. And so sometimes you have to present that in a way that they realize, wait a second, I'm just now believing for the first time. And in, in a sense, that's what Mr. Black's getting at. We have to get people to recognize you know, their own problems and how maybe, yeah, they've been raised religious, like, like me. I was seven years old, and I prayed a prayer after watching the, an episode of the show, some of you might remember, Touched by an Angel. Mm-hmm. And this little boy had been taken to heaven by this angel. And I was like, Mom, where is, where is that boy going? And she talked to me about God and Jesus and heaven and hell. And I prayed a prayer that night because I didn't want to go to hell. But what I realized is that that those words that I was saying, you know, asking Jesus into my heart at seven years old, I didn't really understand. I didn't really believe. I just said some words because I was a little scared of the consequences. But it wasn't until I was in college, many years later, that I began to realize, wait a second, right? My life does not line up with what it says about someone who knows Jesus or has the desires that God would want me to have. And I think that's the problem is that sometimes people, you know, are religious, but they don't have a real relationship with God. You have a really tough job because uh, you are teaching this for an entire, what, couple of months? Yeah. And, and, and then people may or may not get it and they mm-hmm. move on. Yeah. Do they ever come back to you and say, it finally clicked and my life is starting to come together? Absolutely. Yeah, not too long ago, actually. And that's, it's not as often as I would hope, but man, when it happens, it is, it's, man, it's just, it's like fuel in the gas tank, man. You know, like um, I had a, a young lady call and I missed her call, but she had left this voicemail. And I have had that voicemail saved in my voicemail box. It's still there. And I listen to it every now and then um, because God did an amazing work in her life. And yeah, she actually didn't really even technically finish the program, but what she learned in the program and the values uh, and how to how to properly read the Bible and understand it and how to pray and you know what the some of these passages of scripture that are problems for people of understanding how to understand them and to apply them to their lives for her she called and left a voicemail and she just wanted to see how I was doing but to tell me how much God had blessed her and that she was being obedient to God and how much the teaching had changed her life and you know and how that was seeping out into how her fam- her family her relationship with her children who were disconnected or are is being restored and you know and how you know her job is working out and all these things and how it just shows that you know when people get it you know our relationship and foundation with God you know, seeps out into other areas of our life. And we can start to see God's favor and blessing, you know, in our lives whenever we get that right. You know, listening to your story, it sounds like God put you through exactly what he wanted to when you were young so that you could have that transformation. Yeah. And at that time, you were probably marching to a different drummer. Ah, yeah. All right. And then <laughs> then you kind of went through a transformation and you started to learn what those words that you were saying all along meant absolutely and and how they affected your life and your future and then god set you up to be able to 
teach people mm-hmm. exactly what you had gone through and how important it is. Yeah, I mean, from a young age and being raised in the church, I memorized a lot of scripture. I went to a private school that whenever I was in the sixth grade, I memorized the whole book of James. I mean, it was kind of intense, but I didn't care about that. I was more 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 cared about popularity and girls and obviously junior high middle school high school kids of course you understand that but um after god really just showed up in my life and changed me and saved me all of that knowledge of the bible it's like exactly as you said it's like god blessed me by putting me in a home where i was exposed to that so that now man it's like here's your ammunition go and use it Mm -hmm. for my glory stop wasting your time pursuing things that are vain pursuits you know and not that music is a vain pursuit you know it was a talent that i had but god gifted me with a new passion and a gift of teaching and and just a passion for talking to people you obviously spend so much time with the bible do you have a favorite scripture Absolutely, absolutely. The the one that comes to mind for me and has been especially needed, I think, just not only for me and my family, but for so many people, especially this past year, um, is found in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that verse is a promise, right? That God will give me peace. He will give me peace of mind and peace of heart that surpasses anything the world can give, but there's a condition. I have to I have to turn to him. I have to talk to him and let him know what I need. But there's a keyboard word in there that I love that's with thanksgiving, right? When we are going through through tough times that are going to give us stress and worry, God wants us to present those requests, but also keep in mind all that we can be thankful for. And then he will give us the peace we need to get through it. Sort of tough to uh, tell a classroom of women sometimes men, mm. that what they've gone through, they need to be thankful for. Mm. They're being stripped down to the foundation mm. and starting again. Yeah, that's definitely true. And that while this verse is talking about, yeah, God can give you peace, that's why it's so important when we also teach biblical uh, counseling that we give give you life skills, right? Dealing with you know, not just resolving conflict, and but learning to forgive others, learning to resolve that conflict in a healthy way, boundaries, you know, all those different things play into that. You can't just obviously preach at someone and say, oh, yeah, you know, life's really dealt a, a tough one to you. You just pray. God will give you peace about it. There absolutely needs to be some structured life skills that are involved. But, you know, like, like I said, you know, in the BC program, we do all of that through um, one-on-one biblical counseling where, you know, I kind of think of it like this, you know, where I have students in class and I'm teaching them, you know, topical lessons, uh, over 100 topical lessons out of the Bible. They also meet with uh, our biblical counselor who's not just giving them his advice, but it's based on biblical advice. Uh, and counseling one-on-one on how to apply that to their lives. So that's where the real practicality of walking through some of that stuff that they may not want to share or address in the mm-hmm. class setting, mm-hmm. they can do so with a confidential counseling relationship that we have uh, with the counselor and the program. So what I'm hearing is that um, at Star of Hope, we are 
helping these folks get out of their uh, cycle of homelessness, mm. get out of their situation. Yeah. And we're giving them an opportunity for employment. Mm. We're helping them strengthen their faith. We're uh, helping them maybe with an education, maybe some recovery from substance abuse. Yeah. But what you and the BC program does is give them the glue mm. to kind of put all that together. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of saying it. Absolutely. And, and it creates a foundation yes. for a new beginning. Yeah. And that, you know, sometimes you see when the glue is missing because one thing that the Bible does is it tells us what our purpose is. And that it, it gives people, you know, a renewed perspective of reality. And that is, you know, people are very easy to just want, you know, yeah, I need the money. I need the job. I need the house. I, you know, the list goes on and on. But like you've just used with that great example of the glue holding it together, well, what if you get those things but there's no glue? You know, uh, the Bible is telling us that, in fact, those things, if you read in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us, Solomon tells us that those are vain pursuits. He got all the money, wealth, power, women, pleasures of the world, and he said, this, there's nothing new under the sun. I just want more. The only thing that lasts is pursuing God and obeying him forever. That's how that book ends. He sums it up, and that's kind of what we want residents to realize in the BC program, and really every program that we offer, um, is that people would understand that, man, God must come first. And if you don't know him, we need to show you him so that you would choose to follow him because that's where the true life change begins. You can have all the money in the world and yet be unfulfilled. You can get what you want and still want more. And with God, God satisfies. The world's just going to gratify you. You're just going to want more. Will, God bless you. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for your time today and your compassion and your talents working with our Star of Hope residents to help them discover that faith is the foundation to recovery and to life as well. Thanks for having me. Until next time, this is Scott Arthur saying, keep a soul full of joy and a heart filled with hope. A Moment of Hope is produced and presented by the Star of Hope Mission. Ending homelessness one life, one family at a time by providing services to more than 1,000 homeless men, women, and children each day in Houston. Could you spare a little hope today? For more information or to donate to the Star of Hope Mission, please visit sohmission.org.